the woman with the issue of blood and the Syrophoenician and all the exorcisms. And that's just the ones that the Bible give us. I actually went through, I, well, I, I went through using a harmony of the gospel to find the miracles. And, and I'm sure I didn't find all of them, all of them, because a, a lady by the name of, you want to look up another good book. I've had this book in my library for a long time, a lady by the name of Ada. My aunt's name is Ada. Ada Habersham. Hattersham, H-A-B-E-R-S-H-O-M, wrote a book entitled All the Miracles, All the Miracles of Jesus. And it's a, it's a, a well, actually, there's two books. There's a series of books that has all the miracles, all the healings, all the prayers. And and this this book that Ader Habersheim wrote, a, a lady wrote this book, has all the miracles of Jesus that are in scripture documented in chronological order. It's very, very good. And she identifies and she breaks them down by types of miracles. Some that were healing, some that were demonic exorcisms, some that were recoveries, uh, some that were salvation. It's just really fascinating. So I don't know if it's still in print, but I'm sure you can find it at the library or you might can find it online at Christian book distributors. They have some out of print books. It's really good because the, the miracles that are in the Gospel of John, and I mentioned this before, if you're reading the Gospel of John, the miracles that are in John are actually, um, let me just grab my Bible here, the miracles, the miracles that are in John are actually miracles that are considered signs. And here's what a sign is. A sign is a miracle with a message. Jesus didn't just perform a miracle. He performed a miracle and then he preached an associated sermon with it or the miracle was to illustrate something he had done. You all with me? So just hang with me. I want to give you a little background just so you understand how to go about looking at these, these messages that Jesus taught. Let me, let me show you something graphically. This, this might help. I didn't plan to do this, but it just popped in my head and I had the board up here from a couple weeks ago. I was going to do a chalk talk and never got to it, so I'm going to do a little bit of it now. Let me just show you one, one quick illustration. Here's what you see when you see these miracles and these healings and these events during Jesus' ministry. Three things. Watch this. First, there was a setting. In other words, it took place somewhere geographically. Some location was involved. Jesus wasn't doing this stuff out in the cloud. Okay, he wasn't on Mars. He wasn't traveling through the atmosphere of the galaxies. He wasn't a superhero. He was doing this, these events on Earth. Three and a half years approximately of ministry, miracles, and messages. So first you got a setting. Number two, oh, okay, sorry, Lisa. You guys probably won't get this online, I'm sorry. But so you have a setting, and We're then good. watch this. Okay, and then you have an action. Jesus would, e would either cast out some demons, he would heal somebody, he would deliver somebody, he would teach somebody, he might chasten somebody if you're a Pharisee, he might talk about you if you're a scribe, but not in a negative sense, but in a corrective, judgmental sense, like stop messing with my people. But he always had an action connected with a setting, and then watch this, and then there was a reaction. Action, reaction. That is, 
the crowd or the, the person that was healed, the victim, the candidate, the recipient received a re, uh, provided some sort of reaction, usually an acceptance. Like in this case, this, born, this man born blind, this man that was congenitally blind. By the way, I did some research on, boy, I should have called Andy on this. I, didn't, I thought you could just be blind or not blind. I started messing around looking up types of blindness, causes of blindness, effects of blindness, especially in the first century. What did they do without a CNI dog and a stick and a blind guy? They had no Braille. <laughs> I mean, I, I, they didn't have audio books. What, what did they do? Amen. Amen. I'll save that for another Sunday. So, so I know, but I got other stuff I need to get in Justin's on his way with our food, and I don't want to eat cold Cracker Barrel. Setting, action, reaction. The reaction is the key. This man born blind, born from birth. This guy wasn't colorblind. He wasn't partially blind. He wasn't blind due to lack of nutrition. This man was what's called utero or congenitally blind. He was blind, never saw light. One of the definitions of blindness is completely, absolute blindness is completely unable to discern any light at all. They can take what I have this like really super large flashlight. Well, it's not super large, but it's super bright. It operates on a battery that you use for a weed eater. It's a really big, big kind of Ryobi light. It gives you this amazing light, kind of blinding. I, I like to tease Sister Marie with the light when she can't find stuff. I say, here, do you need a light? Need a flashlight? And this is a big blood light. But this blood light, you could, you could close your eyes as tight as you want it, and the light would still penetrate. A blind person has no ability to discern or observe light at all. That was our guy in John 9. Okay? And so I looked at this, this pattern. I found this is not just in John. I saw this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well. A setting, Jesus show up in Capernaum. He does something. Either he goes to Bethany and has lunch with Mary and Martha over there in Luke chapter 10, or he goes and deals with a, a blind man, or he, he's on the road on, the, on his path in Luke 19, and he bumps into this guy that then climbed up a sycamore tree by the name of Zacchaeus. The, all, all of these settings prompted action, and then the action sets off a reaction. Some of the reactions are good, like what we're studying today, and John 9, there's a good reaction, and that the man got his healing, he got saved, and he worshiped Jesus. But that's the good news. The bad news is that the Jews around him, the religious leaders, the church folk, y'all, basically y'all, started saying, why are you healing somebody on Sunday? Well, it would have been Saturday, the Sabbath. You healed a man on the Sabbath day. You got him carrying, you got him, you got him carrying mud on his eyes on the Sabbath. That constitutes work. You're in violation. You can't be of God, because you, if you were a God, you would not be working on the Sabbath day. Can you imagine something so blasphemous? Something so ridiculous. 
Y'all may laugh and say, oh, I would have never done Jesus like that. I would have never treated people that way. You want me to give you a modern day example of legalism? I won't. But trust me, we do it. Denominationalism, racism, ageism, sexism, now genderism, pronounism. <laughs> we, we, buy, we, we have so many ways to divide. It's just amazing, isn't it? There's just so much in our society. It is crazy. I mean, pride gets a whole month and mothers gets a day. I'm done. All right. <laughs> With that subject, we have a message here in John. There are seven signs. Jesus started his ministry by turning water to wine. Now everybody thinks it's okay to be an alcoholic. Well, that wasn't the point of the, of the miracle. It was a message, right? It was a message. Jesus went to the wedding. There was a reason that he went to the wedding. There was a reason he turned the water into wine. It's always leading to worship. Everything he did was about getting people to worship. It's about worship because when we worship the Lord, God is glorified, but we are edified. We get something from that. You say, well, it seems like God is, you know, isn't he so uh, kind of an egomaniac? I mean, what's all this about glory and worship? No, the purpose of glory and worship is because that is due his name. That is not anything that we generate. That's something that God is entitled to. Hang with me. Hang with me. I'm almost done. That's right. I'm almost done. God is entitled to worship, but we benefit. Listen, we benefit because when God is glorified, the overflow, the afterglow. Remember when Moses was in the cleft of the rock? When Moses was, was Lord said, you, 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 you hide, you stay here because you can't see my glory and live. You can't handle this. If you get in the way, if you get too close, you're going to die. So God put Moses in the cleft of the rock and say, you stay here in the cleft. And as I pass by, there'll be what's called an afterglow, the residual of God's glory. And even that was so much that when Moses came down, I couldn't look at him. <laughs> Boy, what a mighty God we serve. His glory lifts us up. His glory makes us better. We worship him and then we benefit. We give him the glory and we're exalted. We give God the praise and he lifts us up. He blesses us. He heals us. He delivers us. He saves us. Woo. Boy, oh boy. So I started, I'm, I'm wrapping it up because Justin's here with the food and, and, I, and I, I've, I've never not wanted to see Cracker Barrel so much because I'm just getting started. But let me just say this. Let me just say this. Jesus had just a couple profound questions that I think will stir us this week as we're studying John 9. And in John 9, 35, Jesus just asked him a simple question. He asked the man that was born blind. He was born blind in John 9. He just asked him a simple question. Do you 
believe. That's it. There should be an E in there. You know, forgive, forgive my spelling. I didn't do well, really well in spelling in the fourth grade. But uh, do you believe I before E except after C and sometimes before V? Let me see, what was it? I don't remember the rule. <laughs> but do you believe? And the point was, the point was, the man, the man that had an encounter with Jesus and I wrote down something that there were five conversations, five conversations. I'm not going to read them all, but I just want to just show you how he got to faith and then we're going to pray. In the beginning of John, Jesus just said, he, he's, Jesus, he, he spat on the ground. There was another, <laughs> there was another occasion where Jesus spat in a guy's eye. Now, you know, I mentioned this, I think, before. Had that happened on Wooster Avenue when I was growing up, as Marcus loves to say, furniture would have been moving. <laughs> you, you're not going to just spit in a guy's eye. <laughs> Jesus spat in the guy's eye and told him, now what do you see? The guy should have said, I see spit. <laughs> but he said, I see blood. He said, I see men that look like trees. In this case, he didn't spit in the guy's eye. He spat on the ground, and he got some dust from the, and dirt from the ground and made clay. By the way, the ancient people believed that there was medicinal qualities, medicinal qualities in spittle. They thought that there was some healing qualities in spittle. Remember how your mother used to, um, you, um, you know, you, you have a little boo-boo or something, and your mother would just take a little saliva and put it on it? I used to hate that. I thought that was more gross to me than the actual sore or whatever. Like, mom, please, you know, you're grossing me out. <laughs> but we used to do that because we thought saliva, you know, you have a bite, you know, you suck it or you lick it or whatever. Uh, I also didn't really get into that either, you know, I, but I was kind of a weird kid. But I just think that they, this old belief about saliva having medicinal qualities has carried over from the first century, maybe before, to the 21st century. So he's, he had his, he, Jesus spat on the ground, he made mud, and he put the mud on his eyes. And he told the guy to go to the pool of Siloam and, Siloam and wash. Uh, the Siloam, by the way, means scent. So Jesus sent him the scent to wash to see. We'll talk about that another time, but, but check this out. This setting starts the first conversation that Jesus had with the guy. So this is conversation one. The man doesn't even know who Jesus is. Don't worry, I'm wrapping it up. This is my last point, I promise. Conversation two, the guy goes home and his friends say, dude, weren't you blind? You can now see. By the way, that's in verses 8 through 12 of John chapter 9. Then you go verses 13 through verses 18, and you're having the man have a conversation with the Pharisees. Okay, conversation number three. You drop down the verses 24 through 28, actually 24 through 34, you have conversation number four. And then finally, verses 35 through 38, you have conversation number five. You say, Pastor Will, this is really boring. Why are you telling us this? I'm telling you that because if this week, if you read John and you follow that, 
you see that the guy went from not knowing Jesus to calling him that man to calling him his healer to calling him you need to go and follow him and become his disciple to worshiping him and calling him Lord right before your eyes ladies in 41 small verses you'll see a man transformed from a blind beggar who didn't know who Jesus was to a man by the time you get to verse 41 is now worshiping, praising, and calling him Lord. And Acts tells us that no man can say Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That should give us hope. Don't give up on your lost relatives. Don't give up on your lost friends. Don't give up on your lost enemies. Don't believe that there's no hope for them. If a blind begging man can go from begging and getting kicked out of the temple and synagogue to worshiping Jesus and becoming one of his followers, it can happen to anybody. I promised I'd quit and I'm going to quit. I'm stopping, but I'm not done because next week I want to take this to part two. Because this is one of the most amazing miracle slash messages in the Gospels. Because there's so many play on words. There are so many little lessons and sub-lessons. There's so many texts and subtexts. There's so many allegories and analogies in this passage. You read it. There's like 12 or 15 sermons. I could just preach for the rest of the year on John 9. Y'all would be bored, but I'd be excited <laughs> because Jesus does so many things. The word blind itself is a play on words. There were people there that were congenitally blind. There were people there that were partially blind. There were people there that were spiritually blind. So many ways to develop this topic in John 9. I pray that you will read it and pray and ask the Lord for an understanding and just ask the Lord to do, do for you what Elijah prayed that the Lord would do for his servant when the Lord had surrounded the mountains with a, a mountain of angels and chariots of fire that surrounded the enemy that had surrounded Elijah's house. And the Lord said, Lord, Elijah said, Elisha with an S. Lord, open the eyes of my servant that he might see. That's my prayer this week, that the Lord would just open our eyes to John 9, that we can see what he's saying to us in 2023. In 2023, Lord, what are you trying to open my mind to see? Expose my blind spots. Expose where I'm tone deaf. Expose where I'm just missing my faults and my mistakes and my shortcomings. Expose my anger, my temper, my resentment, my impatience. Expose, Lord, where there's jealousy and unforgiveness in my heart. Expose where I need to reconcile with my brother and sister. Expose where I'm not being gentle and compassionate enough. Show me that, Lord. Help me not to be that guy anymore. Help me not to be that person anymore. Amen? Every week as you're going through these lessons in the Gospels, you should be finding areas that just bring more light to shortcomings in your life. And how can I improve? 
Lord, help me every Sunday when the pastor, when the teacher, when the preacher, when who's ever up here sharing the word, help me every Sunday to find myself somewhere in that passage. Find some way that I can be transformed and elevated and picked up and made better, made wiser, made more knowledgeable about your word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Help me every Sunday, Lord, to move the needle a little closer, to check off another box, to get a little closer to you, to shed another fault or shortcoming that's not pleasing your sight. Help me every Sunday to get better. Don't come here and leave home. Don't come to church Sunday and leave just as blind as you were when you came. Wow. Wow. Amen. Mm. Amen. Mm. Lord, just help us as we thank you for this day, this Father's Day 2023. Lord, may you be glorified that we might be edified. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves at your feet. Help us, Lord, to submit and surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm just, I'm, I'm just full right now. I just believe that. I believe that God really wants to help us. I don't believe it's just these blind, crippled, paralyzed people in Scripture that God is interested in. I believe he's also interested in us healthy people that can move around, that can walk, talk, read, see, eat, work. I think we have just as many handicaps and disabilities, people that are quote-unquote healthy, can also be disabled. People that are fully whole can be handicapped. And I believe God wants to help us. Don't miss this. Don't be an also ran. Don't be lost in the house. Don't come and listen every week and not be changed. Don't miss becoming like Jesus in small ways if necessary. It took this man 41 verses. We don't know how much time elapsed. But God is patient. He is long-suffering. He says in Lamentations 3 that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God doesn't fail. God doesn't forget. And you're right, Brother Colin. He doesn't make any mistakes. And, and, and that's... <laughs> That's next week's sermon, because there are people that believe, well, why would God create this boy blind? Why my baby blind? God, why did you do me like that? Why does bad things happen to so-called good people? I'm trying to sit down. Why do, people, why do people blame God for catastrophes and disasters, but they're not equally willing to give him props and credits when good stuff happens? Oh, we'll say something like God is good when it's going good. But when it's not going good, is God still good? We don't act like it all the time. <laughs> we don't act like it all the time. And that, I think that's what I want to talk about this guy's parents who got interviewed also. And they didn't have nothing to do with it. 
right? They didn't have anything to do with it. Next week, I want to talk about why bad things happen to so-called good people and what, we, what our attitudes need to be when we don't understand why disaster and bad stuff is happening in our lives, why our kids are born blind, why we're born blind. And blind is just an analogy for any other bad thing that could be happening in our lives. But God has an answer in his word. Amen? God has an answer. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. He's worthy. Thank you.